This podcast is brought to you by the website of doom.com. Hello and welcome to Aaron Fever Talks 2, episode 17. Uh, I'm Aaron Fever and I will be talking to the writer and director and also one of the cast members of a play called This Isn't My Desk, hashtag global futurism, which is being produced by the drama group at large. And we'll be on in the Smock Alley Theatre in Dublin here. We talk about the dates later on in the podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Patreon. Uh, I'm not sponsored by them, but I have wonderful people on Patreon who support me via a minimum of $1 donation a month. And their kind donations uh, mean that I can pay to make this podcast, which you know you have to do. Unfortunately, you have to pay for hosting and stuff like that. So uh, they have made this podcast possible. Uh, such wonderful people as Alma, Amanda, uh, John, Scott, uh, Abby. There's loads of wonderful, wonderful people on Patreon who have helped me out. So thank you very much to you. If you want to get involved as well, you will see all the updates from my comic books and other projects that I'm working on, uh, go to patreon.com forward slash Aaron Fever. So you'll find out pretty early on in this podcast that uh, the girls are good friends and uh, I am friends with them. Uh, One of them is my wife. She's currently lying in bed next to me at the moment (laughs) as I record this. Uh, So it's a very informal chat. Uh, You'll see everyone kind of chatting to each other. So it's a a good time. Um, You will talk a lot about theatre and we'll talk a lot about uh, people's kind of relation to it. But also as well, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the play uh, that they're making. And uh, you'll hopefully check it out. Um, I will be there. Uh, don't come the same night I come. That's just weird and stalkery. But I'll be there watching it, so you should too. Uh, so no, nothing more to say other than uh, enjoy the podcast. All right. He's ready? Yes. I'm hey. the worst. Nearly has a heart attack. <laughs> I'm the worst. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, I can I can edit out the bit of you munching on, what is it, crisps or something? It's no. a rice cake, a sneaky dark chocolate oh, rice corn cake. cake. Oh, corn dark cake. Dark chocolate, thin oh, corn and rice. Good. I thought you said porn cake. That's where it is. Corn cake. It's a dark chocolate corn cake. It yeah. smells really good. Uh, which is the point. Mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, all right. So uh, because I actually this is the first time when I've done one of these interviews where I've interviewed two people at once. Uh, although I did do Kill the Monster once before as well. So That's I had, true. I had a large group. Yeah. Uh, but when you do that, you have to get people to introduce themselves. Okay. So if you could just say like I'm, and then I'm, and then okay. so, so people know whose voices are whose. Okay. Like in reference to the play, obviously, not just like I'm Kate, not just and I enjoy. Yeah. yeah long okay. walks on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> Do you enjoy long walks on the and beach? And are you single, Kate? I are you, do are you enjoy single? long walks on the beach. To single listeners, could they... <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm single. If you like my weird nasal voice, just <laughs> you have a beautiful get, in, voice. get in touch with Aaron. <laughs> you have a beautiful voice and also a beautiful mid-Atlantic accent. Thank you. Much like my husband. You do, actually. Yeah. <laughs> okay, can we get back to Sorry. the task yes. at hand, guys? Yes. Uh, so, you are... Hello, I'm... <laughs> I'm Kate uh, Cosgrave, Cosgrave, Kate Cosgrave, yeah, and <laughs> I am the writer slash director of an upcoming play called This Isn't My Desk, hashtag global futurism. Is global futurism and like a tagline or still part of the title? 
Oh, it's still part of the title. Okay. Hashtag global futurism. Right. Um, and I am, for the sakes of this, for the sakes, for the sake of this podcast, I'm going to use the name I'm using in the play. So I am Darcy Donnellan Poole. Ooh. No. I hope that's all right with everyone here. That's fine. For the people who don't listen to Fever Talk, uh, just listen <laughs> to my interviews, uh, Darcy is also my wife. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, and this is the professional name that I'm going to be going by, so I hope that's okay with you. Of course. We've okay. discussed this previously. I know. I know. Okay. So I'm Darcy Donnellan Poole, and I play the character of B in This Isn't My Desk, hashtag global futurism. Okay, so uh, let's start there. So your character name is B, and it's not as in B Arthur, it's, it's, it's just, just the B. letter B. The letter B. Okay, so let's talk to Kate. Hello. Why did you name your characters with A's and B's and, and no and real O's. names? And O's. A, B, and O. Yeah, well, the, the, the reason behind that is there are characters with other names, um, but those characters are mostly... I suppose caricatures they're quite symbolic and A, B and O are kind of the life blood uh, of the company you know they're the wor- workers who are doing all the work on a daily basis and that's why they have distinct a distinct type of name style of name um, it's also it came from um, kind of the the Greek alphabet um, and I won't go into that too much because Why? you'll see it. You'll see it okay. when you come to see the play. But alpha, beta, omega. Alpha, beta, omega, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, it was funny, though, because actually just only recently I realized this, that, and it's bad that I only realized this recently, but I have to sign my name at one point, and I was like, shit, what am I signing? And I don't know, you may or may not agree with this choice, but I signed an actual first and last name. Because oh, yeah. I do say this is my name first and last, so I did sign a real name that I have, yeah. but that's not my name in the script or in the program. Exactly, yeah. I, only it's just a secret. It's an actor's secret <laughs> for me to know. It's an Easter egg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's an Easter egg. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going to try and get my hand on on um, the the area that you're signing. And, and have see a what look I'm really it. writing. Yeah. Yeah. So how long ago did you first write this script? Like When, when did you uh, want to start doing it? Ooh, well, I wanted to start um, more... I want to say more than a year ago now I wrote like the first but it was just maybe a six page section of it Um, and it sat with me for a long time and I was encouraged um, by the artistic director of At Large to to go with it and actually write it so um, I I, she kind of gave me a deadline and I wrote it to the deadline um, about seven months ago I think and just I felt like when I sat down all the ideas just came out like they were there for so long that they were already quite formed so yeah and what was the first section that you wrote the first section I wrote was well it changed so much that it was somewhere it was in the beginning part of the play but it was uh there are sections that came about afterwards in the middle of it if that makes sense yeah. yeah So okay. wait, do you are you referring to the six page thing there? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. how, how much of the six page thing actually made it to the final? Yeah. Uh, of the six pages, um, three pages maybe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What I wanted, what I've been wanting to tell you about this actually. Yesterday, I had um, 
I teach EFL like private students and I had a student who was just telling me about her new job and I won't say where but it's at a company that's very much hashtag global futurism very very much and she was telling me just about her job and how stressful it is and how annoying it is and she's going on about her KPIs and this and that and this and that and she's like anyway I wanted to talk to you in this lesson I wanted you to tell me what is your play about and I was like it's exactly about <laughs> everything you were just complaining about oh, <laughs> exactly yeah. and I sort of started explaining it to you and I was like I was like the character I play is like you and then there's this character called management who's just like your manager and like she loved it and I showed her the video um I showed her the video of me and like they she it's a it's a a two students that I'm teaching at once and they really connected with it because they're working in a company like that right now yeah yeah and I explained I was like the girl who wrote it works in a company exactly like that yeah, yeah, it's, I, I think it resonates with people Yeah, because of what it's about and because um, I suppose it might be like a Dublin phenomenon, but I don't um, think so. I'm sure it's like worldwide, but it's, yeah. it's kind of city, city-based city yes. anyway. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, so you've written this, because I've read a lot of the script. I haven't read the whole script, but I've read a lot he hel- of the script. He helps me run lines. He's yes. very good. Uh, and you're writing it in a kind of a stream of consciousness almost kind of uh, verbal style Uh, what made you choose that over something maybe you know more uh, you know common let's say Um, I think well I think there is I've never thought about that it's probably just part of the style that I I write with Um, but on the other hand there are I feel like that's part of the the story in terms of how this office um, is working, that we have, you know, people who they do connect for a bit and they have those like normal conversations. But a lot of the time, these characters are off um, in their own heads. Like that's I mean, that's what happens at work. You know, you go in and you'll have a nice chat with someone and you'll have a terrible meeting with someone. But then the rest of the time you're like just running through things in your head and I suppose that's what I'm trying to yeah one of the things I really connect with in it with the character that I play I feel like I've been in that situation a lot where it's you're at a new job you don't really know what the fuck you're doing but you're trying to put on a happy face and act like you know exactly what you're doing and act like it's great like you're super friendly to everyone and you like everyone and there's something in that language in and of itself that's kind of um, stilted because you're not really being real you're not relaxed you're not being genuine you're trying to please someone else and that's I feel like what I get a lot out of the way my character speaks yeah, that's that's true. You're still and trying your to sell yourself. Yeah. You're still trying to put on a happy face. And yeah, there. So there are certain characters that have like that quite um, stylized speech. Mm. Um, for example, the the character that you play, Darcy, and and management, management as well would be quite very like stylized. That. Yeah, um, documentation as well. But then there are characters, um, for example, O and A, who would have a lot more. Um, they still go off on stream of consciousness, but it's a lot more kind of clipped and human um, because they're not in that awkward situation. They're in terrible situations, but um, there's some nice like emotive bits, beats in their um, in their di- in their dialogue or their monologues. Yeah. Or, yeah. So actually, um, when I first read the script, and I think Aaron knows this, when I first read the script, I wanted a. And now I'm so happy that I ended up with B. 
Oh, that's good. Yeah, but I when I first read it, I actually wanted A. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. Uh, for the, the benefit of the listener, what's the difference between the two characters? Well, so, I guess when I was first reading the script, I don't know, there was something about A. I liked, I liked her monologues, honestly. I was like, ah, I dig my teeth into a monologue. And um, she was really grounded, I think, and really likable. I think if you chose one person in the play who's just, like, never does anything wrong and is just straight up a good person, it's A. Yeah. And I was excited to play something like that, especially after playing a role with at large that was so much like the villain and A is just a good person and I really wanted to bring that I kind of wanted to do like a midwestern accent almost like I saw this kind of like real like sweet nice unassuming girl um but when I got cast as B and I read the script again knowing I was cast as B I was super excited because B is like this you know really get real go-getter and wants to make it work and she I think that there's so many interesting layers what she's portraying and what's actually happening for her yeah and all of that so I'm I'm really happy I ended up with B actually well there there are two like super solid roles I mean I I do love all of the roles in the play like I do think they all have like a charm that's quite distinct to them Mm -hmm. um but I have to say A, A and B are like they're up there. <laughs> they're up there. No, I, I do. They're, yeah. 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 All right. So let's take it back a little bit because we've, uh, I think we need to give listeners a little bit more context. So, uh, Darcy, mm. you're acting in this play. How long have you been acting? Oh, man. I guess mm, 19, nearly 19 years. And you're 27. Nearly 28. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been acting since I was nine. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, so has it always been theater for you? that's that's just what's available mostly especially when you're nine so yeah I've done I've done like film here and there but but more theater for sure and what is it about theater that you like that you can get into well here's the thing I always because because when you're nine you're just like happy to be acting and whatever is available to you is available to you and so from the time I was nine to the time I was about 16 I was doing repertory theater very regularly um and yeah I would have loved to do film I I imagined myself winning Oscars and all of this stuff but you know my parents were very much like we're not going to take you into the city we're not going to send you on auditions we're not going to let you like be a child actor you're going to go to school be normal do your acting thing at night and on the weekends we're not going to take you out of school for an acting thing Mm -hmm. so that wasn't an option available to me and it wasn't until and then I went to NYU for acting when I was 17 and they also, the first two years of that, were like, you can't audition for anything because you're so unformed. You're just a piece of clay and let us make you what you <laughs> shall be. So, so film just wasn't available all that time to me. I mean, sure, sometimes, like, you know, friends of mine, Stony Browder, shout out, would, like, make a film and all that, and I would do it. But that's just what's been available to me. But then once I was actually in a place where I was occasionally like doing film or TV kind of stuff, I realized that it's not really an actor's medium. That actually stage is so much more an actor's medium and stage is actually more indulgent to an actor. And of course I want to be indulged. And it, it just feels, um, it, fe- it feels actually better. We were, we were just talking about this at the pub actually yeah. after uh, rehearsal today that film, it's like, you so for example if you have to do something really emotional I remember doing this scene when I was like 20 or 19 or 20 it was in college and 
the scene ended up being about three minutes long, but the shoot was about nine hours. And it was a scene where I was hysterical the whole time. Oh, God. So I had to basically stay in that for nine hours or be able to just, like, push a button and turn that on and turn that off for nine hours. And I was like, this is what somebody who has a guest spot on Law & Order has to do. Like, this is actually not easy. But this is something I noticed about you anyway when, when we were back doing blocking of individual scenes as opposed to full runs. Yeah. That you do, you are so good at that. You are so able to get into the moment Aww, emotionally thank you. That's like, so and nice. psychologically. Well, oh, I'm that's mean, so that's, nice. That's so nice. I mean, that one moment that's very emotional, I feel like it's not fully there yet. Hopefully it will be there by the time we perform, which is in less than oh, two weeks. Oh, it will. But, like, but I still feel like that's not fully there. But as a stage actor, I have time to make it there. I have time to cultivate my relationship with tulip bulbs. Like, I, I have time to figure this out, you know? But, um... <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like a weird porn star name. With tulip bulbs. Oh, um, tulip bulbs. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, like... Theater, theater is much more an actor's medium. I complain about this all the time, though, in film. Maybe film could be, but at this point in time, film is mostly people hire models, and just, you know, hopefully the models are competent enough that with everything else that's going on in the film set, it can work. Yeah, well, with yeah. film, it's more about giving the editor uh, options. Um, so you, like, you do it eight or nine different times slightly differently so that, like, they can choose their favorite version of it. So you don't even know what kind of acting yeah you don't have as much control over crafting your performance yeah Yeah. um and how many plays have you done in ireland now um let's see i did i did a a play at trinity and then um with at large i did the meeting and nowhere now and now this and then just another for for ellen corby I did a couple of scenes from Angels in America at Trinity, but that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there's been a kind of common theme when I do these interviews of, especially with Americans, of moving long distances uh, at some point in their life. And you've moved from America to Ireland. I moved from America to Germany to Colorado to New York to Ireland. <laughs> America to Germany to Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> Colorado is part of okay, America. Okay, okay, okay. Long Island. Long Island to New York. To Berlin, to Fort Collins, to Long Island, to Dublin. And do you think that this kind of gypsy lifestyle that you kind of led for a little while, <laughs> um, I mean, do you think does it in any way tied to your love of kind of theater and inhabiting new roles and inhabiting different spaces on a regular basis? Hmm, interesting question. That's a really interesting question. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. It's funny that you say that because actually when I first decided to go on this journey of moving everywhere, this is so cliche and embarrassing and like, oh, such a middle class white girl, but I was 20 and I had just graduated from NYU with his BFA in acting and um, I read Eat, Pray, Love. And I was like, I need to, I was like, I can't stay in New York and just be on the grind. Like, I need to travel. I need to find (laughs) myself. And so then I spent that next year kind of like working and figuring out a way to go somewhere. And I ended up going to Germany to become an au pair. And that, you know. But that was like, I'm assuming you didn't want to be an au pair for the rest of your life. No, of course not. But at that point it was kind of like, wow, like let's live while I'm young. Let's like go around and do these things rather than, um be at the grind trying to make it as an actor because I saw what that looked like and it didn't seem like I was going to have success very quickly. I once had a teacher be like, you won't work until you're much older. And I mean much, much, much older. 
which I mean, you know, it may become true that you work more as you get older, but you've Maybe. been you've been consistently making plays for a very, very, very long but time. But I'm not working. I mean, I haven't really no, been paid for. It. I, I mean, mean, I feel like that's a weird statement in itself, though, considering the availability of roles for older women well that was but her her point was and it was like they at nyu they were like not actually allowed to say anything about the way you looked but that's exactly what she meant i think i think i told you this i don't know if i've told you guys this i once did an audition at nyu for my main acting teacher and it was just for the sake of doing an audition like i was already in the program but they kind of wanted to see how we auditioned you know as like Mm. an exercise and I had to choose a Shakespearean monologue, and that is so not my thing. So I just chose a very common uh, Juliet monologue, Gallop of Pace, and I did it. And she was like, why would you do that? And I was like, oh, she's like, you would, you would never be Juliet. <laughs> you, would, you would never be Juliet. Oh, and then no, someone else who was in there, he was like, yeah, I mean, she'd be the nurse. I was 19 oh. years old, and they were like, you would be the nurse. You would never be Juliet. Wow. Yeah. That's a fucked up headspace to live in. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that's what she meant when she said I wouldn't work seriously until I was older. She meant you're not an ingenue, so oh, hater, you can never be. And no, but there might. I mean, there's truth to that too. You know, like she's like you. You'll never be that, and so you don't quite make sense now at age nineteen. Yeah, that's just because there aren't roles written for you yet. That's yeah. not. But also, yeah. too, is like that kind of the ingenue part is not a very interesting part. It's a kind of wide eyed, dumb faced kind of young mm-hmm. person. Whereas, like, you know, she could have been also thinking, like, well, you actually, you have a lot of, like, character, and you have a lot of, like... But having a lot of character means not being conventionally beautiful. Yeah. This has nothing... This is nothing to I would have, I would have assumed it would be about more about personality than... No, 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 no. Because there are some, like, there are some intelligent female roles that she could have said instead of... You yeah, exactly. Say, what, what, you know. This was all, like, a way of saying, like, you know, you're not... And that's okay, and it's true. Like you're not oh, a it's, model. It's no, totally no, no, not true. That you're I'm not. not no, that's eventually beautiful. But that's, I mean, there's a difference. I married you. So, I know, but there's yeah. a difference. No, I'm glad we're having this conversation. But there's a difference between being attractive in real life and being able to play an attractive woman on screen. There is, but a is but is that but is the, does that because you like you like you said they're referring to screen, but do you feel like oh, that they're referring to stage as well? Like she, they well. were, well, they told me you will never, you could, and I was nineteen. They were like, you could never play Julia. You would play the nurse. Mm. But I, I, I don't know. Unless at like nineteen, you were like some kind of like Samara out of the ring with the hair coming down <laughs> your face. I just don't buy that. Personally. No, I didn't buy it either. I didn't buy it. I, I didn't think they were right. And I have no interest in doing Shakespeare, but sometimes I just, like, want to do Juliet. So I could be like, fuck you, Fritz Ertl and Vicky Hart. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's a shout-out. Um, so on that note, I think we'll move on to Kate. Uh, <laughs> when did you first get involved with theater? When was you, what was your first experience with it? Ooh, uh... What's the date now? <laughs> it's 2017. 2017. Uh, actually, I think three years ago. Um, I had never done any theatre before. Three years ago? Yeah. Jesus! Because, well, because I, I, I've, like you, I've lived, uh, Darcy, I've lived a kind of a nomadic life. Mm. So I, I lived in Spain. I lived in... Cavan and then Madrid. <laughs> and this is the pattern we're going with. I lived in Cavan. I lived in Madrid. Hence the mid-Atlantic accent. I lived in Cavan. I lived in Dublin. I lived in Tokyo. I lived in 
Well, I lived in Turkey for a little bit because uh, I was living in Japan. Did <laughs> she not fully live there? <laughs> there was a, the big earthquake and nuclear oh meltdown. So just kind of my dad was living in Turkey at the time, so I moved there uh, to Ankara just for wow. a little bit to get out of there. Just to wait out the, of the radiation. And yeah. Well, yeah. Well, oh then I just, God. I went back like a, a month later. <laughs> so I went back to Tokyo, then Dublin, then Hiroshima and back in Dublin. I like how you went, like, I, I was going to leave the nuclear ra- radiation place. Yeah. I'll go to Hiroshima. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Hiroshima is, it's just, a, it's a wonderful place. It is amazing. But, um, yeah, so I, I kind of landed back three years ago from Japan, like, knowing that most of my friends from college, there are still a few good, really good friends that I have from college, but most of them kind of had trickled off, like, moved away or were studying elsewhere. So I kind of just was like, I don't want to get stuck in a funk. Like, I need to start something new, like a new hobby, pursue something. And I just thought, well, I've always been interested in theatre. I I had an experience uh, with theatre in college, which was not very... Not very wonderful. So wait, so when you say you had always been interested in it, but you had never done a play like in secondary no, I'd school never, or anything. When I was when I was eight, I think seven or eight, I uh, started doing speech and drama. And this is how rural my life was. Um, in my small village of Bally Hayes, shout out! Uh, I started doing speech and drama. Um, and they stopped it after three weeks because there was only like three kids showing up and Aww. two of them were me and my brother. <laughs> so yeah, I've always been interested in it. It's, a, it's but, something that... Yeah, I, the, yeah. The, the resources just weren't available. So then what was your experience with doing a play in college? Or oh, I didn't in, do a play. I didn't even. It was just auditions. And I just, I think maybe I was not part of the in-group. Mm. like yeah yeah auditions are tough at the best of times but in a situation like that like even with because I met you via a, a amateur dramatic society called No Drama in Dublin yeah. and that's how we met as well that's how we met as well yeah so the, <laughs> the whole room met each other um, but uh, yeah like like even with a, a great environment like that you, any sort of club or any sort of like communities based like scheme is always going to yeah. have like you know favourites oh, yeah. Um, yeah. and so it's hard to kind of sometimes break into those inner circles a little bit yeah they do they have favourites but I, like in yeah I suppose to the detriment of college groups it's very often just based on who you know and what mm. people look like as well mm. um, whereas uh, at least when you kind of you know you you graduate college and you mm. graduate those societies you go to other groups and people will like you for your talent or if you're interesting or you know other things other than well yeah you Wait, know. then, but while we're on this, and because I've had three drinks, um, <laughs> <laughs> can I ask you then, just talking about that, because because with the audition process for this play, okay, everyone knows I really wanted to get cast in this play. I auditioned, and then I think maybe a week or so later, I, like, sent you an email being like, I obviously didn't get it, like, that's fine, like, please tell me why, super looking forward to seeing it, blah, 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 blah. mildly passive-aggressive. Uh, no, it wasn't, I didn't think it was absolutely passive-aggressive, I thought it was, like, yeah. nice when I did it, but you saw me all that week, I was like, ah, 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 ah. and I was, like, freaking out, feeling like I hadn't heard, but how did you, how did you, because it was, the audition process was unusual, and for me, 
Um, very nerve-wracking, actually, because it's a... Really? Oh, completely. It's a group audition. There's a lot of improv, and it's in front of everyone. So how did you cast this? Like, how did you really choose? So, yeah. The, actually, the reason, um, the reason you didn't hear back, I think it was... Five days later, I got to no. Email. It was a week. It was a was week. It a week was yeah. it Sunday to Sunday? I think so. Maybe Sunday to Saturday. Um, because I think we hadn't held the. We had a second round of auditions planned for the Friday, and maybe it okay. was the morning after. Uh, we had those second ones, so we just hadn't gotten back to people yet. Um, but yeah, you yeah, I was just like, Darcy, come on, like, you were amazing. You were amazing, uh-huh. but like, obviously, you you don't get back. Well, I don't know. Maybe this is completely ter- a terrible idea, but I think you get back to people at the same time. Oh yeah, to let them know oh, and not like, leave of people course. hanging. But obviously, I I let you ha- let you hang for a bit. Sorry, Darcy. <laughs> but like, how did you choose who you were casting? Because it wasn't so much like people reading. It was a very like a group audition. Like you saw people do improv. You saw people do a lot of different things. Like, and, what and were you looking and, for? And then also as a second point to that, why did you choose that? As way of to audition yeah. the uh, common like one person comes in and you read with them well um, at large always um, it's it's kind of a theme there they want to do workshop auditions um, so you know you need people through a warm up and play some games you get some improv out of them on kind of themes concepts or objects um, this is what we followed for this this uh, audition anyway. Yeah. And then you um, give people like a character description and a, a situation description and get them to improv little scenes together um, to just show you um, how... So we could see how people interpret like stuff like pressure. Like a lot... Most of them were... Um, conflict situations and how people interpreted those characters in them mm-hmm. and then um for the last bit we did do a scene so mm-hmm. we just provided some lines on the day gave people some time to to learn them or get to grips with them and said like if you forget a line just improv what you think this line right. would be based on the the yeah. character um and it was extremely helpful basically we had um we had a matrix. Uh, I drew up a matrix of like the qualities we were looking for um, and all the different. I didn't know it was that scientific. Well, a matrix. Yeah, <laughs> no, we had uh, like it was literally just an Excel spreadsheet um, of the the qualities we were looking for and all the different uh, participants of the the workshop and saw who had all these qualities. And also, additionally, like what roles we thought they fit from, what roles they played really well in the improv, like because it's a it's a huge, it's a huge thing to find people who you know you like this is warm ups for theater. Some sometimes you feel like a bit of a tit doing them, mm-hmm. but like you need to like spot out the people who are happy to follow like take direction and Mm -hmm. who are who can introduce themselves to other people and get comfortable and um because that interpersonal thing is is huge it's really Mm -hmm. important because um conflict kind of brings you nowhere in it so it's good to cast people who can you know participate in 
warm-ups and have fun as well like that's okay. so there's a lot of attitude basically yeah basically checking out people's attitudes as well but as that's their talents so, so nerve-wracking about it because you're not instead of like at a typical and no I do think it's a great way to audition that's part of why it scares me so much because you're seen on so many levels like it, as opposed to just like walking in for like a couple minutes and reading something like you're kind of being watched for a whole day in so many different situations yeah because like if you're just walking in for a couple minutes and reading something you can prepare that and you know what you're doing and you have an idea but yeah I suppose yeah um it yeah I wonder like it probably would have played out very differently if we'd given stuff uh to people to prepare for it but um yeah, I can't complain. I'm very happy with the result. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know. I mean, it's a great cast. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm part of it, but... Uh, how many cast members is there in total? Seven. 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 Okay, and this is your first time directing, right? Or directing a long-form yeah, it's, like, yeah, show? Yeah, it's my first time directing a long-form show. First time writing for theatre. So, wow. what made you... Because, like, it would be an easier way, maybe, uh, to put it in a certain way, that to write a, sh- a kind of smaller scale story with, like, yes. maybe two to three characters. Yes. Uh, were you intimidated at all by putting, like, seven in there? I wasn't. And then it was cast. And then it started, and then I was. Like, <laughs> it was kind of delayed, like, delayed uh, comprehension. But not but only is it seven characters, but it's all, seven bodies on the stage almost the entire time. Yeah. And it's seven bodies in action on stage almost the entire time. So it's it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, there aren't enough eyes to look at everyone yeah. all the time. So, yeah, it's... It's, it's great though it's amazing it's and so like let's say you know you've been doing it because you've been rehearsing for quite some time now it's been two or three months yeah uh, Ju- more than that july, since july august, you took a little bit of a break there yeah august, but we September. started in so, july yeah probably yeah. like we have probably three months of like solid yeah weekly rehearsals okay uh, bi-weekly rehearsals yeah twice weekly rehearsals <laughs> yeah I know because bi-weekly like is it every second week or <laughs> is it every twice a week yeah I'm always I'm always confused by that too uh, so I mean you know as a, a, a big learning curve what would you say are some of the things that you've kind of learned so far like as you're about to go on live with it next week so you know you're pretty close to the end of this uh, kind of journey quote unquote although that word is sometimes annoying um, but like yeah what, what do you think you've learned so far <laughs> We're gonna lose one member. Actually, goes to the bathroom. Would, would you get me one as well, please? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I definitely. How important it is to take decisions earlier. Like okay. it's that's that's the thing. Like de- developing it um, with the cast was what I was most excited about. But I know that I let that take me over a little bit. And okay. firm decisions on things should be taken. So you were looking soon. to collaborate with the the cast to a certain extent, and, yeah. and you're saying like it was probably better off to just have a, a an idea of what you wanted from the get go, rather yeah. than collaborating. Yeah, ha- no, collaborating is fantastic, but you need to have a hard deadline for when you say, "Listen, this is the point where we take the decisions." Right. That's that's kind of it. Like, okay. But like, yeah, that's my main my main. Your biggest takeaway. Yeah, biggest takeaway. Also, make sure you have the rehearsal spaces booked like <laughs> six months in advance and you know where everyone is going to be. Um, 
Or, yeah. you know, yeah, from yeah. week to week. <laughs> but yeah. also, yeah, just, um, sorry if you guys... No, no, okay. go ahead. Just the whole thing, because At Large is a brilliant theater company founded by Grania Kirsten. I feel like we mm-hmm. need to give her a shout out. Um, and it seems like more often than not, in At Large, the writer and director are the same person. And I, how would you have felt about someone else directing your play that you had written? Would you have been like, I don't want that? Would you have been like, I need to be the one directing it? Because the only one at large so far who hasn't done that has been Leslie Ann, but Leslie Ann starred in it, so she was still there. Although I, that's the the only other piece I directed was written by. By uh, Daniel. Daniel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that was um, a short piece that you did. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. you did a Shorts. fucking fantastic job with that. I remember being like, damn, like that really like stood out and was awesome. Yeah, no, um, I actually, I kind of almost tried to pawn it off and make it someone else's responsibility. Really? So you actually <laughs> weren't so sure if you wanted to direct it? Um... I kind of, I did, I did want to, I would have liked that, but I also thought, like, because I was completely inexperienced, and I Mm. thought it, it was very special to me, so then you're torn between, it's very special to me, I'd like it to come out in a way that I wanted to, and it's Mm. very special to me, it deserves the attention of someone who has experience, like, that was the tear there, um, yeah, but I was, I was advised to direct it myself, (laughs) so, yeah. So that's kind of how it came about. And this is going on in, in Smock Alley. Uh, as, I can't remember, is it Main Stage or Boys School? Main Stage. Main Stage. stage. That is a big theater. Yeah. So your, your first time writing a long theater piece, first time directing for a long theater piece, and then it's going to be on, I, what I would say is in the top five theaters in Dublin. That's, it's so funny. I was trying to explain this to my brother the other day. I was like, I was like, it's kind of the equivalent of off Broadway, but like Dublin doesn't have equivalent of Broadway, yeah. so it's hard to say. But I'm like, it's a big theater, like it's like a well known, it's and like a big. Board, gosh, would have to be Broadway, right? Right, exactly. But like Smock Alley, that's a legit space. It's not like you're. I mean, there are so many spaces to do things in Dublin, but like. Smog Alley is a legit. Yeah. Yeah. It's and it's it's actually my personal favorite space. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god, it's it's fantastic. I love that space. Yeah. It's also just across the river from my house. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very short walk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At the end of the evening. <laughs> you can carry the props over under my yeah. arms, you know. <laughs> but I'm assuming like how much of that feeling now coming up to that is excitement and how much of that is nerves how much of it is fear wow uh, massive amount of excitement more nerves than excitement okay. um, the kind of vie inside you like for attention mm, very nervous very excited um, not afraid <laughs> well that's good <laughs> But that could be the beer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's good. No, that's because I mean I think it would be perfectly understandable if you were scared. Like you know, I think a lot there would be a, a natural reaction to have at this point. But I mean, it's good that you have you have enough confidence to be going. No, that'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> confidence. Yeah. No. I, I I imagine that on opening night I will be like bricking it, like yeah. hiding in the toilets backstage <laughs> or something. Um. No, I can't, like, because really, like, you know, and I get I get nervous as an actor, for sure, but 
having people watch something you've written and directed, like, that is just bearing your fucking soul. Like, it, I really think it is. Like, I, like, I think it's so courageous. Like, I don't know how I would be in that scenario. Well, I, I mentioned those six pages I wrote a year ago. Yeah. That was, like, just read out at a, a dramaturgical workshop that we did in that large. And I actually, we kind of were running out of time and there was two people with pieces left to read. And I was like, oh, oh no, just read his, it's fine. Like, even at that late stage, I was trying to yeah. be like, uh, no, it's fine, we don't need to read mine at all. And when people were reading it, I actually couldn't hear anything that people were saying for the cringe. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think like three months of kind of hearing my own text coming back at me, it, it, it gives you some distance. Yeah. Like, distance, but also like comfort. Like, you know, it's like you're battering down that wall of like, oh, get away from me. But it must feel good. I was I was thinking that today. Like, it, it must feel so good to hear your own text and to hear other people care so much about it that they want oh, yeah. this and that from it. Like, it must feel so good to have that coming back at you. Yeah, and, that's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing that people care about it so much and they, they question it. They ask you questions about why is this, why is that. Yeah. Like, that's beautiful because then you get to kind of express the, obviously what was going on inside you, but you don't necessarily take time to fully analyze it while you're writing it. Yeah. But then, yeah, that's, it's really, it's really cool. It's amazing. Yeah. And I do have to say, like, this is the first, (laughs) this is not to insult the other shows I've been in, but this is the first show in a while that I really am kind of inviting people to. And I don't know exactly why that is. I'm always nervous to invite people because I'm nervous for them to see me. But part of it is I'm just like, just see the show. I'm like, I'm just a, it's very much an ensemble cast. I don't feel that important in it. And that makes me maybe more likely to invite people. And I'm just like, just like my students the other day, I've never invited my students to a show before, but I'm like, see it, you'll get it. And you know, their English is good enough, but it's not amazing. And I'm like, if you don't understand everything, you'll still get it. It's so visual and it's so visceral. Yeah. Well, that's, that's <laughs> cool. Thank you. How that's, do you take compliments? That's lovely. <laughs> um, it's funny what you said about like kind of hearing your stuff read aloud and, and cringing through it before. It, it's a little bit like when because you know I've done, been podcasting for ten years, and the first time you have to listen back to one of your podcasts oh, and you yeah. edit it, and just hearing your own voice, it's just kind of oh god, this is awful. But over time, you just get used to it, and it almost seems like it's someone else's voice. Yeah. Uh, after a while, um, but you both you've both actually acted on the stage together. Before. Together, yeah. 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 Um, was that where you both met each other within the play? I well, no, I had met you. I met her maybe before I met you at at large. I remember. No, it was before I met you because I the first time I met you was that night. When she's saying <laughs> yeah. she's saying yeah. you, she means Kate, and when she yes. said me, you. Was <laughs> Aaron. So I met Kate before I met Aaron, but I think Aaron, you later said you were there that night and like you noticed me or something. But like <laughs> that was that night that we went off to go into a separate workshop from the ever the rest of. Oh you were, like, yeah, you went movies. upstairs to do like an improvised thing. Workshop. Like we, it was. It was oh, the friends! Was, yeah, was some casting for some. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we—that's the first time I met you. Maybe yeah. you don't remember meeting me, but that was the first time I met you. But the, the no, friends. I do remember you. Yeah, we had so we some nice moments. That yeah, was really nice. Yeah, <laughs> and and then and then very soon after that was the was the auditions for the uh, three one acts that later became the three. Edinburgh yeah, shows. and I saw but you. But you that. couldn't do that because you were doing Harvey. Yeah, I popped down for like two minutes. Oh I, yeah, and I was just like, yeah, read this after the after the rehearsals for Harvey upstairs. Yeah. Um, and 
Then I got a, a lovely email from the writer of the play being like, I'm really sorry I would have liked to cast you, but you're really busy. So I was like heartbroken Aww. to not get to work with you, but I was like, of course, it's all okay. about me. But then, <laughs> but then, then after the one accident, you got to be in the version yeah, that went to Edinburgh. Because yeah. so, a couple of yeah. people had to come back and they, they couldn't go to Edinburgh, so... Yeah. yeah, so we were on the stage in Smock Alley together in like February 2016. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah, it really was. It a lot was of Darcy sniffing candles. You know? <laughs> what? That was so You don't even remember that. You were so in character. You like, picked up one of the fake candles. You were like chanting. It was beautiful. <laughs> and you were sniffing at it. Like. <laughs> Yeah. You do have a weird thing about candles that you have to get very handsy with them when you see them. You like like I bending do, the wax I do. and stuff I like, like touch, that. I, yeah, I do. I get very tactile with candles. Well, me too. That's why I was like, you were doing it, and I was like, this so fits how my character feels about your character right now, like entranced, like. But as I was, I was actually kind of trying to say to Aaron earlier, because he's like, he was sort of asking, like, who's the lead? Who's the lead? I'm like, it's an ensemble cast, very much like Nowhere Now, but I kind of feel like B in uh, This Isn't My Desk is very similar to your character in Nowhere Now. Is that, that's the Which one? one? Oh, sorry. CEO. Yeah. CEO. 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 Yeah. yeah. The one you played in Edinburgh, not the one you played in Smog. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, having played that uh, previous play, Nowhere Now, in Smock Alley, and then taking mm-hmm. it to Edinburgh, is there any part of you that's thinking about taking uh, This Is Not My Desk to Edinburgh after this show in Smock Alley? Not until you ask me right now. <laughs> no, 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 no plans to take it to Edinburgh. Uh, that would be phenomenal. But I, it's, um, we've kind of got some stuff lined up uh, for at large, um, and the Edinburgh thing was amazing. It was phenomenal. It was a great experience for everyone involved. But it just was just so much organizing so much doing so much fundraising Mm. like it took probably a year in the planning or six months in the planning and then a year in the execution of all the fundraising and stuff so yeah Edinburgh I don't think is on the cards for next year yeah it's it's a very having done it myself it's a very stressful and tough time that you only really appreciate maybe a year later mm, like you yeah. kind of go like oh yeah I can now see the good times that I had yeah like <laughs> I appreciate it now even when I was doing it I'm, I was so glad that I was doing it just to have the experience but like during time like it was very stressful like yeah also just how much time we were spending flyering and all that and you obviously have and to you do go that. from flyering to like I've got 20 minutes to get changed and go yeah. on stage yeah in our hilariously wonderful venue <laughs> yeah well Edinburgh is notorious for having like really ramshackle oh, yeah. put together I mean, I venues think, I thought as far as venues go I actually thought ours was pretty good and it wasn't too oh bad. I loved it I, yeah. I actually loved it but it was a conference room just just for you guys like conference slash meeting room um, and they had like put together a stage on it like legit stage but they the the bars there the metal that they put down to um, go from the wood to the to the carpet of the room mm-hmm. they obviously just had not got pieces long enough so there was one gap there where you could just see floor and carpet and like the two edges of metal either side and I was just there <laughs> like well that's kind of near where someone needs to be taken down to the floor so I hope they don't like 
cut themselves. <laughs> so yeah, sharp edges is not really sharp ideal edges. for uh, a theatre stage. Um, okay, so what what is your plan then? Like, I'm gonna, we're going to talk more about the play in a second, but what is your plan for post-play? You, do you think you want to keep doing this, or do you want to just move on to another project? Or Well, I actually, I, I read... Um, Oh God, I can't remember the name of the play now. Um, I have the book downstairs, but this is, we're in my house. Um, um, (laughs) Just to give you a location idea. I read this uh, wonderful Czech, Czech or Hungarian play recently, which is kind of, has a lot of similar themes to the play. And it just gave me a, a wonderful surge of inspiration. And I would love to, I'd love to pursue it further. I'd love to rewrite it and refine it and and kind of focus on all all the the themes. I had focused on whatever themes when I wrote it first uh, or wrote it the second time, but I'd love to go in and focus more on themes, like especially from questions that have been raised in rehearsals. Like mm. like what? Um like for example, different people asking, um I don't want to give too much away, but um what motivations behind different things were and mm-hmm. and what the the overall mood of some arcs in it mm-hmm. were like kind of there's some arcs going on outside of the main action of the play and that's kind of something that I would um you I'd could love show to rather than tell yeah right <laughs> I mean I think we do show it rather than tell it but I I'd love to go into it in more detail and and rewrite it and make it kind of as good as it could be, you know? Like, right. I feel like it's not one of those things that I'll just be like, oh, that was great. Thank God it's done. Like, never look at it again, you know? Mm. Well, because the runtime in this is, is it 45 to 50 minutes or so? It's an hour. It's, it's a full hour. hour, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and that's, I've, I'm finding more and more that's a very common uh, runtime for original plays in, in Dublin that I've seen anyway. And I don't know if that is because of Edinburgh and the idea of like you know mm. festivals like you get a one hour slot, um, but like would you expand it to like an hour and a half to two hours like the average kind of play would be? No, I think uh, with this play in particular, it's um, there's so much going. There's a lot going on at all times, and and also I. I think keep it short and sweet. Mm. Like an hour and a half, I could I could envisage that. But like envisage, envision, <laughs> envision an hour and a half. But no, I would never make it two hours. Like I think um, it's it's a reflection. It should make people think. But I don't think you want to ask people to uh, be constantly like thinking about all these different things that are happening on stage for two hours. Not that people can't. But just that I think you need to make it a length that it stays with people and it means something to them afterwards. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, I really do. And I, I like this structure. And, and I, I wonder how much that, that one hour thing kind of reflects like what we're used to seeing even like on episodic television and that kind of thing. And I think that like a one act is really good because a lot of times I think in plays I think each act really should be a story in and of itself yeah and if you have two stories within a story like great to tell it in two acts but sometimes it's only one act is necessary and I I think that works really well yeah 
Oh, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> because even if you look at, like, okay, if you, if you look at, like, you know, Into the Woods, yeah, there's the first act and the second act, and when a high school does it, they only do the first act. Because yeah. the first act is a full story in and of itself. You don't need the second act to tell the story. Into the Woods is also a bloated mess, having seen the movie. Well, because the movie is a bloated <laughs> mess, because the movie did both both the acts, and yeah, the movie is just, oh. Um, okay, so let's let's talk about the thing itself. So, give me your elevator pitch. If you were, if someone was asking you, like, so what's the play about? Oh, it's a surreal, dark comedy about corporate life. <laughs> <laughs> All oh, right. That's good. Uh, I actually didn't quite have one yet. Well, what's, what was your uh, your slogan, your pitch you came up with when we were flyering? Three sides. Three sides. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. I have no idea. I think <laughs> we were surrounding people, unsuspecting victims, on the footpath in three sides and mm-hmm. kind of make, bullying them to Yeah, me. it came from Dominic. It's just about walking up to someone with enough confidence and eye contact. You can say anything and they'll take the flyer, you know? Yeah. When we were yeah. doing The Crack Was Mighty in Edinburgh, I hated flyering. I absolutely yeah. hated it. But uh, my friend Alan, who also hated it and was in the play... Uh, Alan Rogers? Yeah. He filmed a lot of stuff for us and he's yeah. amazing. Alan Rogers. So Alan Rogers. That's your, that's your shadow voice. I like it. Um, but he, he kind of like, he kind of just forced himself to do it so he could get rid of his flyers quickly and then not have to do it anymore. Yeah. But he would kind of say things almost like accidentally creepily where he just kind of mumble like, here's a thing and then walk away. And then it, we had this idea of like, uh, it's like a, um, a sketch show, Irish sketch show. And, but he was saying it too quickly and he accidentally said Irish sex shop one time. Um, and, uh, yeah, just got very embarrassed and, and had to kind of stop for a bit. Ironically, when we were all in Edinburgh, um, Alan Rogers and, and Leslie Ann Riley were oh, yeah. were acting in one of those three plays we took yeah, together with at large. Mm-hmm. Um, and the tagline we used was uh, come see come see Alan Rogers' latest performance. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, we were we because you just had Alan Rogers' latest performance. Yeah. Yeah. Or, Leslie Ann Riley is back. You know, they were... And there was also just a lot of, like, cross-dressing in Leonard Cohen. Yeah. Which was more accurate. Leonard Leonard Cohen. Cross-dressing in Leonard Cohen. A lot of people... Ooh. Um, So, that's the the tagline, is the, you know... Yeah. But could you... How much of it can you tell people about the story? Like, how much of it can you actually, like... Without giving away the whole idea, like, how much... How much can you describe to people? Um, yeah, so it's, it's yeah, a what would you say, actually, case, sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but what would you say is the catalyst? Because obviously, and I always do this, whenever I play a character, it's all from my character's point yeah. of view. And I very feel, very much feel, like I'm the catalyst for everything. I don't know why, but it's something about, because the play starts on my first day. Yeah. And then something happens. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, I, I see that. I mean, things have been happening. I hope it gives a sense that things have been yeah, happening oh, for course. a long time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the idea, so it came about because of where I worked and, and all, oh dear, I hope no one's listening to this, but it came about, uh, <laughs> I, I, I worked is. somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good. As point. long as you don't name a name, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, I worked somewhere for a while and, and all of the things that happen in the play are based on real events and some of them are quite stylized and you know they're made quite surreal but they're all based on things that actually happen so 
the motivation there for me was to like I needed to get this out of my system when right. it was happening um, it's the play is really uh, a stylized heightened version of what a lot of people experience um, working in medium sized mm -hmm. or big corporations um, you know around in capital cities or in big cities around uh, Europe for sure probably the states um, as well yeah so that's, that kind of corporate culture is very international it yeah. seems like because it's it, the idea is about being the same across every platform yeah and it is everybody. and it is really dehumanizing and that's what my yeah. student was talking about when she was going on and, and that's the thing kpis that's what she kept yeah. saying kpis and she was saying how having to meet these kpis what's which a kpi just, uh, key performance indicators okay. and one of them for her um was to have like 10 contacts an hour like to have 10 she does customer service to have 10 contacts an hour and she's like sometimes you can sometimes you need to spend 20 minutes with someone yeah. and then yeah. you can't have 10 contacts an hour and she's like because i she's you're doing a good job if exactly. you're spending 20 minutes on the phone to and someone and it's this dehumanization dehumanization of the customer dehumanization yeah. of you know your employee mm -hmm. like everything it really is yeah completely. and this play really reflects that idea of this like dehumanization and also what i love about playing my character is um and that then things is very human as well as how far someone will go when they're just in a situation and yeah. it's harder to it's easier to just go along with it than to rebel yeah but that's i mean that's a big part of it as well it's, yeah the play looks at our kind of work-life balance and mm. and how the things that are going on in your life are sometimes reflected in work and vice versa and how the things that happen in work, the situations and how you feel can really like impact your your own life and I'm making it sound like a barrel of laughs I know <laughs> but, um, it is very funny as well um, but would you say like because you're like you're, you're saying you're examining all these themes and ideas but um, examining is one thing making statement about them as another like what do you think the takeaway is like do you think you're saying something optimistic or do you think you know you're saying something kind of uh critical in what you're doing like how like you're examining something but how are you examining it i know my yeah. answer oh well you want to go first no you go first <laughs> you have an answer no i okay no i think it's quite critical i think it's quite dark i don't think anyone really comes out too well in the end I think it's quite dark and the note that it, you could say that um, the penultimate scene before the new scene that that could be maybe a little bit victorious but to what yeah what, to really? what end yeah. and then the last scene I think is no I think I think it's kind of I don't think it's very optimistic no it's, it's not the the ending is certainly not optimistic it is very entertaining mm -hmm. um but it it um, yeah, it's critical. It's, I suppose the point is not that I'm critical of one thing or another thing mm. in regards to businesses, corporations, um, although I am. Um, in it, you, you can see there's there's playful mockery in there of, mm -hmm. of everything. Right. But um, towards the end, yeah, um, I just want people to look um you know to to see kind of their own experiences reflected and also to to really stop and think about it like how ridiculous a lot of it is mm -hmm. and 
and how much they should be investing. You know, the idea is, I suppose, withdrawn from the play. So the play is not, the ending of the play is not optimistic, but I feel like it should make people think about how they view, like, what they think about the investment that they're putting into work and whether they should be investing as much as they do or... Right. Yeah. And this was all in my lip sync performance. I mean... I know, it was beautiful. You ain't gotta go to work for the man. Um, for anyone who has no idea what you're talking about, uh, as a fundraiser for the show, you guys did a lip sync battle. Yes. Um, and you all both took part. Yeah. Uh, Kate, you know how much I was fucking living for Kate's performance. Like, yes, I you were very excited. Sense. I was very much in the woo corner um, uh, between yourself and Leslie Ann just screaming your heads off the whole way through. <laughs> no, no, but you just your song choice is everything. But for me, I, the song that I chose was a song I think we are using in the play. Yeah, it was yeah. Work from Home by Fifth Harmony. But I used a quote in it that you had told me maybe a year or so ago, and it was that thing. It's a Lori Penny, Laura Penny, Lori Penny, Lori Penny quote about how. The problem is not that there aren't enough women in boardrooms. The problem is that there are entirely too many boardrooms and none of them are on fire. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was really thrilled to see that as well. Yeah. I know I ran up to you afterwards and I was like, you like Laurie Penny? And you were like, you told me that quote. And I was like, I did. (laughs) And I do like Laurie Penny, by the way, since that I've read more of her stuff. But like, yeah. yeah. Um... I don't know where I don't remember. Yeah, but that's yeah. no, but that's <laughs> that's an interesting point as well because it is like you know seven actors, uh, not giving away too much. Eight characters, um, mm-hmm. and so five of the seven are women. Mm-hmm. Like um, yeah, so that's that's something else that it means a lot to me. Like it's not kind of in. It's not like kind of written in stone in in the at large company ethos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stealing a line from the play, but um, <laughs> it's it's something that means uh, a lot to me that that we get women on stage and and sometimes that means putting them in positive roles. Sometimes it means putting them in negative roles. But I don't think that the kind of roles that you give women in theater unless you always, the only woman is like the token, I don't know, hag or witch. Mm. I feel like there should just be more women up there on stage promoting values that are important to them and sending messages that are important to them. Yeah. I totally I, agree. They should, they should, they should be playing as many different types of characters as guys do. Exactly. Yes, and exactly. Exactly. And the way that you had written this play, it was all very gen- gender neutral. It, yeah, like, it none was. of it. Yeah. You, the, you wrote it completely. It was like, this yeah. can be anything, anything. And like, I think you maybe use certain pronouns here and there, but you were like, this can be anything. Yeah. And the way you cast it was too. And, and like, it is like, I, like, I have to say, like, it's a great cast. Like it's everyone amazing. is yeah. lovely and everyone like gets along really well. Yeah. That was the thing. Like I kept, um, with uh, Grania's help as well I kept my mind open to different genders for different things there were a couple yeah. of roles that I was like but I see this as this gender or that gender but um, she had me keep my mind open and then auditions just the best people for the roles were cast yeah so, yeah it's, it's such a phenomenal cast come see the play well <laughs> speaking of because we're wrapping up now oh um when is the play on? Give everyone the, the full lowdown details. Ooh. The 24th to the 20th of October at 8pm in Smock Alley. So that's four nights. 
Five nights. Five nights. Five nights. Five nights. And you forget. Twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-six, twenty-eight. It is five. It's yeah. five. Uh, no, can... trust me. Math has never been my. <laughs> thing, so. And you can get your tickets at www.smockalley.com. Ooh. <laughs> I'll double check that for you. Yeah. <laughs> it uh, could be Smock Alley Maybe we'll put a link with. We'll put a link. I'll put a link okay, with the post. Yeah, awesome. that, that won't be a problem. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's great. Thank you very much for talking to me. Now I always do a thing. I'm going to leave you out of this one. I'm afraid because you get to do fever talk with me all the time. Fever talk. Um, but I always <laughs> ask our guests uh, for what song do they want to play as we leave the podcast so they will we'll play a song on the way out so I know Darcy's now whispering a song to you <laughs> I know like I mean she was whispering it but it was like literally the only thing that came to I my head okay. when she you've gotta play work from home okay. like the harmony you've gotta play it it's, it's her favourite song in the world <laughs> it's and it is apropos it uh, is apropos well yeah but I can understand why it was the only one you can think of because we just mentioned it like two minutes ago uh, but that's the, that, that will be playing in the background as we speak uh, but thank you very much and I encourage everybody to go see the show not just because my wife is in it uh, and my friend is directing and writing it but uh, because it's good <laughs> so yeah. go see it as soon as you can I don't worry about nothing I am wearing a nada I'm sitting pretty impatient but I know you gotta put in them hours I'ma make it harder I'm sending pick up to pick I'ma get you fired I know you're always on that night shift But I can't stand these nights alone And I don't need no explanation Cause baby, you're the boss at home You don't gotta go to work, 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 work But you gotta go to work, 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 work. You don't gotta go